Welcome to Talaterra, a podcast about freelance educators working in natural resource fields and environmental education. Who are these educators? What do they do? Join me and let's find out together. This is your host, Tanya Marion. Today, my guest is Tammy Cole, founder and president of Optimistic Orchard, where community members can attend workshops and public events that support the orchard's work in regenerative agriculture and gardening. There are several ongoing projects at the orchard, and today my conversation with Tammy focuses on the Blooming Hope Project, an initiative to reform the food supply in prisons. What approach is Tammy and Optimistic Orchard taking to create sustainable and healthy food systems in prisons? Let's find out. Thank you, Tammy, so much for joining us today and for talking about your current work and your orchard, for one, and then also your current project working with prisons. It, it sounds fantastic, everything that I've read about it, and it's really, it really spoke to me. And so I am just thrilled that you are here to talk about the project and to tell us more about it. If I may um, ask you to introduce yourself to listeners, please. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm, my name is Tammy Cole. I am the founder and co-founder and president of Optimistic Orchard. I am a mom. I'm a wife. I am a paralegal, an appellate paralegal, and I'm an evangelist for the regenerative movement. Can you explain what the regenerative movement is, please? Yeah, I can. So if you think about environmentalism for a long time, we've been talking about sustainability and how do we sustain the environment. And one of the things that we've discovered is that the current system we have is not, even if we sustained it, that wouldn't be enough because we've degenerated it to the point where there's not really enough left to sustain. So what we now have is a need to get back above. So if you think about if we're at, if you go to baseline, we are way below baseline. So we need to regenerate to get back up to baseline and then regenerate to get above. And then from there, we would be able to sustain things. So the regenerative movement, it's about the environment. It's about people. It's about our connection to the environment. And it's about putting ourselves back into the system instead of being separate from and apart from the system. Uh, what might getting back to baseline look like? What would be involved in that? Um, so there's one of the big key things that people are working on right now is um, drawing carbon out of the atmosphere. Obviously, there, there are a lot of things involved in getting to that, reducing emissions, reducing um, our reliance on fossil fuels, planting more trees, how my focus is on regenerative gardening and regenerative agriculture and rebuilding the soil. So there, there's a lot of things that would have to come together in order for that to work. But ultimately, what we end up with is less carbon in the atmosphere, a cooler environment to live in, and more resources that are the resources being used, not necessarily more for people to use, but used in a way that they're not being abused. As you said, you are the 
um, president and founder or co-founder of Optimistic Orchard. I love the name. If we were to go on a field trip to the orchards today, what would we find there? And mm. what would we be able to do there? Oh, <laughs> a lot of things. So right now we are, the physical orchard is a we call it our big audacious dream. It is a someday down the line, a physical space that is 50 plus acres. And what you can do there will be a lot of things. The orchard right now is the physical space is theoretical. We're working on a big audacious dream. And our big audacious dream is that we'll have a gathering place of 50 plus acres where all people are welcome. And we'll be working as a family together and whether that's just my physical family, because that's who has started the orchard, or whether we will bring on additional people who will be like family. And the things that we want to be able to do are tours and classes for the schools and community members to learn about regenerative farming, to heal and to connect with each other and with nature. We want to have a UPIC program that's accessible to all people, growing fruit like apples and peaches and berries and vegetables like cabbage and carrots and cucumbers. We'll have nuts and medicinal herbs and flowers and integrating. One of the big things about regenerative gardening and farming is animal integration. So we want to integrate a, a rescue zoo of sorts with donkeys and sheep and goats, probably some Pigs, although pigs are a little tricky because they are by nature degenerative. They rip apart the ground. <laughs> but my kids are insistent that we can find a way, so we shall see. And then other animals, we chickens and ducks. And I actually just have started learning about bees and apiaries, and I've always known the benefits of them, but we're starting to learn how to how to manage an apiary. So that's a new adventure that we're looking into. So it'll be the farm space that'll have and have tours and education component. And then there's also a community component, which is an open lodge-like space that has comfortable seating and a cafe that has my son is his big dream is to have a used bookstore and crystals. And so he wants to have, he's calling it the Crystal Cove. So it's the Crystal Cove and used bookstore. And then the cafe, we want to have community events. So live music open mic nights. My husband does photography. I do poetry. So we want to have some art incorporated, community art. My daughter has an idea for at some point she wants to do wall or ceiling tiles where you can donate and dedicate and craft your own tile and, and paint on your own tile. And so then you the community would be able to put their stamp on the orchard. And then the cafe will also have muffins and coffee and tea and then other things that we're selling. My husband is, he does fermented foods and canned foods. And and so we'll have those and kombucha. And my daughter makes handmade potholders. We call them potholders, but they're really hot pads that she makes from repurposed cloth that we found a, a supplier online that takes old cloth and turns them into these little ribbons that she makes the with the loom. And so we'll have all of that kind of for sale in that area. And then another part of it is, I told you there's a lot of it, see? So we're also going to have, a, we're calling it the Zen Den, where there will be a 
prayer area and gratitude circles and meditations and yoga and things like that. And then we also want to do ceremonies. Our family follows the moon cycles. And so we want to do moon, full moon and new moon ceremonies and, and helping people to release in that fashion. And then solstice celebrations and forest bathing. And I actually recently just got ordained as a minister. So we are going to have weddings and parties and it'll be a big place for the community to come together and heal and connect back with the earth. And the biggest focus is inclusion of all people and having a place for anybody and everybody to come. We don't want money to be a hindrance. That's part of why we started Optimistic Orchard as a nonprofit. We don't want people, there are several places that we have talked to and looked at where cost is extremely prohibitive for a lot of people. My daughter wants to have, um, one of the things she wants to do is music. She plays the French horn and she transposes and she teaches. And so she wants to do music lessons. She's calling it the Optimistic Orchestra. That that She just came up with that name the other day. It was very cute. It, she's 14, almost 15. And so she's she wants to do that. And her focus is going to be on underprivileged youth. So kids who are in foster care or otherwise in the system and kids who um, wouldn't otherwise have access to music and getting them access. And then the same goes for the education component. We want to be able to have access for all people so that all people have a place to come and gather and, and hang out and, and just really connect with each other. And we've, we live on Bainbridge Island and we've recently been attending Bainbridge Island Performing Arts has been doing concerts in the park for no charge. And it's been amazing to sit with the people and just be a part of the community again, especially after all of the isolation from COVID. And to just get back together again and spend that time together has really been inspiring and energizing for us to really have the push to figure out to get to that place because it just it just feels so good to have that space together. Yes, I see on your event page that you are doing more, you are starting to list community events. Now with what I used to do, I used to do community events pack up the car, the tent, all my stuff. And it's, it is good to see that coming back around. And yeah, because it, it's the last event I did was in what, fall of 2019. I brought the podcast to the Wild and Scenic Film Festival as an exhibitor. And then things just changed so much. Yeah. So what of your plans, which elements of your plans are you already implementing? What types of events are you hosting? We started because of all the shutdown with COVID, because we started, we really got ramped up. We've been really working. We, this has been, people say, when did we start? I'm like, technically, I guess we started working earlier this year, but this has been a work in progress for probably two decades. We've been discussing someday and, and then the pie in the sky dreams and the notes and the, all of that. But it's been probably about mm, four or five months that we've really been going at it with a concerted effort. And I we did the actual incorporation of the nonprofit and all of that. And so what we started with was webinars. And so we've done, I have a, it's called the Miracle of Soil. And it's a, I think we did four part series on 
regenerative agriculture, what is it? How does it work? What are the benefits? And then impacts on human health and how that works and all of that. And so that was, we started with that. And then we did a, a panel, a web panel on, or a Zoom panel on bees. This was one of the things that when we were doing the webinars, people were asking for more information about the bees and how that can be integrated and what are the what are the ups and downs and goods and bads. So um, we, we had a panel of four experts that have been from anywhere from a year to I think 15 years have been um, beekeeping. And so they came on and, and I interviewed them and we chatted with them about that. And then coming up next, what we have, I'm working on designing and we'll get more into the Blooming Hope Project, which is the project about the prison systems. But you mentioned the community events. So what we're starting now, it never really occurred to us that markets and festivals would be a place that we would go. But it just keeps coming up. And it just, I think probably because it's the easiest place out coming out of the quarantine, because it's outside, there's a lot more of them happening right now. And we're going to be doing a market, a Friday, a moon, a moonlit market on the island. And we're going to have a booth there. And then we're doing another, we actually, it's not on the calendar yet, but we just scheduled another market actually that same weekend. And then we're going to be doing the Northwest Herbal Fair at the end of August. And that's a three-day festival. And so we're going to have a booth at those in the booth will be um selling some things we'll be selling we have a seed we have seed packets that we've created that are bee attracting seeds and we have the pot holders that my daughter makes and we have my husband's photography we're going to have some of that on sale and and we just got some shirts we're really excited about that my daughter is super excited. She designed, if you guys go to our website, you'll see the the tree, the logo. My daughter designed that. So she's super excited to have her design on a shirt. That was really cool when those came. So um, so we'll have those. And then we're going to have information about, I'm, I'm going to do some demos and, and some information about that. And I just did, we've started moving the webinars into person. And so I just did the first in-person presentation of the Miracle of Soil actually last week. And then I'm working with a couple places on the island to start getting them in person so that we can start doing some of those presentations in person. And then if, if you want to segue in, we can segue into Blooming Hope because that's the next big thing that we're working on. I would love to talk about the Blooming Hope Project. I learned about your project earlier this summer when you so generously participated as a session facilitator during an, an event. And, and I, it just, like I said earlier, it really spoke to me. And I just really want to learn more. And I would love for more people to learn more about your project. So what is your project about? So the Blooming Hope Project aims to establish a regenerative garden and composting system in every prison in the country. So for me, when I started learning about the regenerative movement and what that all entails and what all is out there, and there's a lot of different as with all environmentalism, there's a lot of different facets that it involves. For me, the thing that really touched me was the food 
portion, the the lack of nutrients in the food we're eating and how the lack of microbial life in the soil is impacting our food, and then as well as the food waste that goes on in the food system. And I started thinking about and looking at where could I make an impact in the food and what part of the system would be most most impacted. And I did not actually seek out the prison system. I, it was one of the things, prisons, schools, hospitals, they all kept coming up as really poor food systems. They're, they're just extremely degenerative. And the prison system actually came up as I, I met a man who is working on a project down in California, and he's working on prison rehabilitation and changing the focus from punishment to actual rehabilitation. So he's working on bringing in therapists, music therapy, art therapy, movement, different kinds of movement, strength training, yoga. He's bringing in people who have, have there's a man who has a, a program that does a physical movement that supports the 12-step program. So it, they work with addicts. And so I, I was talking with him and I was like, the one thing I'm not hearing you talk about is the food. Like, what are you doing with the nutrition and their food systems? And he was like, nothing. I don't know. I never really thought about it. And so I started doing some research and started looking and the food that is served in our prisons is beyond degenerative. Our goal is to establish a food system that contributes to the physical, mental, dental, which I was, I'm learning. I, I hadn't, it was an aspect I hadn't thought about was the dental health, which then leads to other physical issues and the spiritual health of returning community members. And so one of the things it's creating the regenerative gardens and the composting system, which is one part of it, but it's also about educating people inside and outside of the prisons about the importance of the soil health connection and, and the importance of that system being overhauled. And one of the things we want to do in addition is to create a documentary that will kind of be a chronology of building the systems and how it works, and then also allowing the returning community members to share their stories, how how they got there, how the food is impacting them. A lot of times, people who are in this system, it's not just in the system that the food is impacting them. It's from when they were young, and, and they lived in a food desert, and they didn't have any idea about how vegetables and how food was grown, and, they, and it's a very urban, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of gardens we're getting much better with community gardens but there are most of the people in the prison system just don't have that kind of education and training so what needs to change first in as you move forward what's the first change you make so to me the first thing is to figure out what's going on so one of the things that i've discovered is that we don't actually know there aren't a lot of statistics if you look at like the fda or the if you look at the the federal guidelines and the federal statistics they don't the most recent statistics i could find were from 2010 so that's not nearly they're not really tracking how much waste is going on, food waste is going on 
nationally regardless, but even less so in the prisons. And so we don't really know what's happening. We don't really know how much waste is occurring. We don't really know. We know that there's a lot of waste that's happening in the food production system, the the storing of it, the transporting of it, the all of the, we know that there's a lot, but we don't really know what a lot is. And so one of the things that I'm working on right now is I'm writing a grant proposal to get funding for research to figure out what exactly is going on and what are they being fed and how many prisoners are affected by this. There are some prisons have gardens currently, but there's no statistics on and there's no tracking on which prisons do and which ones don't and are they working and what can we do better. And so right now, I think the first step is to gather information and really understand the landscape of what we're working with. With respect to your research and the implementation of the Blooming Hope Project, will you be focusing on prisons in California specifically, or are you going to go national right away? My hope would be to go national. I think if we start state by state, part of the problem right now is that there is so much piecemeal. And I think that what we need is a national picture of what's happening. And the food system, for the most part, there are some private prisons and there are some local prisons, but for the most part, the federal government sets the standards for what is put into the prison, even for the private prisons and the local prisons. They follow the example of what the federal prison system is doing. So, so our, initially, we had actually thought about just focusing on Washington or California or West Coast, or partly because that's where we are and it would be geographically more reasonable. But with the with all of the technology that we have now and the ability to make phone calls, obviously, but Zoom calls and research, and it seems like it would be better to do a full national overview of what's going on out there. And I think the other thing about a national overview that would be helpful is that it shows there are pockets of, of obviously, there are different states that are doing better job at dealing with environmental issues. And so part of what I want to look at is what is, where are the pockets? Because if there are pockets of states that are doing a really good job and there are areas, how can and we emulate that in other areas that are not currently working on this. So what I'm hearing is that you would like to focus on, of course, state prisons. And there's also, there are also private prisons as well. Would you be incorporating them, including them in this overall nationwide effort? So... <laughs> Ideally, <laughs> we would not have private prisons. <laughs> so I, I, yes, eventually we would want to and need to, but I think that requires bigger prison reform. So that's where the people who are working on Legacy Alliance Outreach is the organization down in California that I've been talking to. And that's one of the things they're working on is how can we end the private prison system and end the corporations making money off of people being incarcerated and get bring and and to do that part of what needs to happen what they found is that we need to bring costs down and we need to get focused back on rehabilitation and one of the things one of the highest costs in the prison system is recidivism 
inmates going back into the system after they've been released. And one of the things that the Blooming Hope Project wants to focus on is getting people skills so that when they get out, they have knowledge, they have skills, they have things, they have nutrition skills, they have, in addition to building the actual physical gardens and compost systems, we want to provide education for them so that when they get out, they would be able to get jobs in the booming eco-industry, which is really where things are going right now. And so they would have the ability to start a community garden in their own neighborhood or work with an organization that is doing regenerative gardening or regenerative agriculture or work on educating the other people themselves doing the same kind of things we're doing. And so it it becomes a train-the-trainer model so that they can become educated in the movement and the tools, and then they can go out into their neighborhoods and into their own communities and share the information. And then the hope and the goal is that then at that point, then they don't find themselves back in the system, that they're able to assimilate back into the community and that lowers the overall price of prison systems, not to mention the fact that if they're growing from what the research that we've done so far, what we're learning is that the prisons who actually have gardens are lowering the costs because the gardens are right there. So they don't have the transportation costs. They don't have the storage costs. They have, so it, it actually reduces the cost of running the prison. And if that's the case, then it's more incentive for the federal government to take the power, the control back over from the corporations because there's not as much money in it for them. So they work together. Yeah. How might the Blooming Hope Project support the transition back into society? You mentioned the Train to Trainer program. Have you considered how that piece of this puzzle might work? Yeah, one of the things that we have talked about is there are a lot there are actually quite a few organizations that work on helping returning community members assimilate back into the community. And so we want to, one of the things that Optimistic Orchard wants to do is partner with other organizations. And so we, part of that will be partnering with organizations that are already doing it. And Legacy Alliance Outreach actually has, they have some, they work with the unhoused and returning community members after they get out. And and so there are going to be other organizations that we will want to partner with. And so part of it will be identifying that. And then another part of it is that we want to open up um, positions at Optimistic Orchard for returning community members to come and help. And they can help train, they can help run the gardens, they can help, they can help on the property. And so if, and if gardening isn't necessarily their forte, but they're musically inclined or they're athletically inclined, and that's part of why there is such a broad range of things that we want to have at the orchard is because we want to have something that could possibly be available for a variety of people to be able to come and participate and help out. And then from there, if there are people who have been a part of building one of our gardens or in our compost systems and taken the classes while they're in prison, then when they get out, they would be an excellent model to be able to go back into other facilities and help out and and start that. Because 
obviously I'm only one person. I can't be at every prison in the entire country. And so that's one of the things we've looked at is the idea of having them come on board and help out with doing the training themselves. And I think one of the Legacy Alliance Outreach has had some really good luck with doing that in their model and having having some of, they work uh, a lot with the police officers and with schools and trying to end the school to prison pipeline. And they've had a lot of luck training people in the prison system so that once they get out, they are better equipped to do the training themselves. And so that's that's one of the ways that we would hope to incorporate them. And then obviously there are community gardens that if that we need to get more community gardens. And so once they have that training, they would be able to go back into their community, especially communities that don't otherwise have fresh produce that have their food deserts, that if we can get more urban gardens going, then that will go a long way to solving the problem. For the train to trainer program and whatever program the entire program that Optimistic Orchard will be leading, will it be, do you think, uh, one day a certificated program, something with college units or something along that lines? Um, I would envision something in in working with probably the community college to do probably more than a one day, but probably less than a full degree, possibly a class, possibly a certificate program. I know there is, and I the name is escaping me right now, but there is a program down in Salinas, California. They work with one of the community colleges and they have a, I think it's a one year tr- that's part of, that it, it's part of a bigger degree. And so that's one of the things that we've looked at and talked about. We haven't quite gotten that far down the road, but that's one of the things that we've talked about is really looking at partnering with a college. And actually down in Las Positas College, there's a the professor in of their nutrition program, the director of their nutrition program, Marsha Vernoga at Las Positas College is I've been working with her on the Blooming Hope project on the nutrition piece. And so that's one of the things that she and I have talked about is incorporating more of this into the, the somehow piggybacking on the program she does. And she would be helping with doing the nutrition training and the nutrition information. And so she and I have talked about working together to see how we can incorporate her nutrition piece into the Blooming Hope Project, and then also incorporate what we're doing into something that's going on at Las Positas College. So that's in the very, very infant stages of discussion, but that is one of the things that we're looking at is how can we integrate that into, I think probably at the community college level, just so that it's more accessible and more people can get to it. So that that is definitely one of the things that we've got at some point. That'll come. <laughs> Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Yeah, it's never too early to start talking about integrating no. programs. Yeah. yeah, never. Oh, that's fantastic. Optimistic Orchard is a family endeavor. When you look at all of the bios of all the principals, there is yourself, your husband, and your children. What do your children think of the Blooming Hope? They've been a part of every step of the way. So since we, we've always been a really close family and they've always, we, (laughs) 
my my grandfather used to joke about how we talked to the he was from Arkansas and my he would say to my dad like you just you talk to them like they're grown people David she just talks to them like they're already grown up and and we do we always have they've we've always that was one of the things that I always had when I was growing up is that my parents always made me feel like I was a part of the decision making process and so we have always our goal as parents has always been to treat them like people. They're just small people. Sometimes don't make the best decisions, but they are just small people learning and growing. And so when we when the quarantine started, we all four were home. I work from home. My husband was working from home and we opted to start homeschooling them. We my dad does the the laboring or he's a retired teacher. And and so he 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 does most of that. But and so one of the things that when I wanted to do this, I we had all when I say my husband and I talked about this for two decades, we had, but it had always been after the kids are grown and out of the house and off on their own, we would find some land and settle down and this would be our retirement plan. When the quarantine hit and we started homeschooling, we all looked at each other and went, Why do we have to wait? Why can't we just start now? So we did. And I I talked to you and you can read the whole long, big, audacious goal on our website. We as a family sat down and wrote that and talked about who, what kind of animals do you want? What do you want a part of? And I talked about my son is the the used bookstore in Crystal Cove and my daughter wants to do music and my husband does the fermented food and his is more managing the actual garden and then I oversee everything. So yeah, they love it. They love doing, they love working on it. When we go to the markets, they're going to the markets. I mentioned earlier, my daughter did the the logo. My son has been involved in, he does a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. He's actually, right now he's working on a project to get some stuff up on the blog for me. So he does a lot of the, the technical stuff in the background. Him, my husband is teaching him that part of it. And yeah, so they, I mean, they're, they're really, they're really involved. We're working on getting, we have a stack of used books and we've been collecting them and waiting for someday when there's a physical space. And and at one point my, my son says, you order used books online all the time, mom. And I was like, yes, I do. And he was like, why can't we put ours on the website? I was like, we sure can. And so he got all of the books and cataloged them and, and got them in order. And so, yeah, they love it. They think it's great. It's all kinds of fun. That is wonderful to hear. It is. It really is. That is really something to cherish. I'm sure that they will look, look back on this mm. and say, "Yeah, that was wonderful way to grow up." <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, now you have a photo contest coming up. So t- tell us about the photo contest. We do. It's actually, as we speak, it is running. So we're doing our uh, fundraiser and it's a photo contest and um, we're recommending $25 donation to enter. And you can go, you can email it to us, optimisticorchard at gmail.com, or you can go on Facebook, Optimistic Orchard, or Instagram at Optimistic Orchard, all one word, and send us a photo. And the photo is a representation of your interpretation of regeneration. And if you go to our website, there is a um, name that photographer. So we went on a trip to the Olympic uh, rainforest about a month ago. And while we were there, each of the four of us took our 
picture that was our interpretation of regeneration. And so you'll see different ones on our website. There's actually a spot where if you can guess which of the four of us took each of the pictures, we'll send you, if you guess correctly, we'll send you a packet of the bee attracting seeds that we have. We call them legacies so that you will plant a legacies instead of leaving a legacy load of carbon. And so if you can guess which one of us, but if you just want an example of what that might mean, you could look at those and you'll see some examples of that. And so it's it's submitting your photo. And then August, I think 8th is the last day to submit right now. And so submit the photo and then people can go and vote. And the best photo, we have a gift basket that's worth over $400. We have had some really generous donors kiss the ground, um, which was actually who got me started on all of this. I watched the movie and then I took their soil advocacy training program. And they have very generously donated a one of the soil advocate training classes, which is $149 value. And then there are several other things. We have Give Us Moon Naturals makes um, soaps and, and things like that. And so they've donated some stuff. And then Mama Fish Botanicals has donated some other stuff. And we've got rose quartz earrings and a set of the hot pads that my daughter makes and some paintings and photography. Um, we have a woman down in California who runs uh, In Spirit Gardens, does watercolors. And so she did a watercolor painting. And then we have a Holly Hudson artwork up in Bellingham, Washington. She does she does some mixed media art. And so she takes, she actually takes pieces from the environment. So she takes flowers and sticks and, and anything from the environment. And she layers resin over the top of it and and creates kind of a 3D and so she has donated a print of one of her one of her artworks that she's done. So there's lots of different stuff in the basket. It's really cool. I'm like every time stuff because people are mailing us stuff. So every time it shows up, I'm like, ooh, more stuff for the basket. And then they'll get a packet of legacies and optimistic orchard mug with our logo on it. So there's lots of different stuff in the basket. And then on August 26th, we're gonna have a virtual winner reveal talent show. And so if anybody has talents, you can email me optimisticorchard at gmail.com. Send me your talents. So right now the talent show, and so we'll have some talents and we're going to do a slideshow of the photos that were submitted and then announce the winner. And right now for talent, we have my kids are going to do, my daughter does French horn and my son does trumpet. And they're going to play the theme from the show Good Omens. And my husband plays violin and he's going to play a song and I'm going to do some poetry. And then we have a couple other, uh, a woman who actually lives down in Costa Rica who's going to do, uh, she did an amazing reading that I saw. And so I messaged her and said, please, will you come share your reading? So she's going to do that. And we've got a couple other kids that are one one kid who's I think 15, maybe he's 16, who is a skateboarder. And so he's going to do a short video of himself doing some skateboarding tricks. And there's another kid about the same age who's going to be doing, who's a guitar player, who's going to be doing a song. And so, yeah, some couple singing. And so there'll be a lot of different talents to be shared and, and watch. It'll be our virtual community event. So we're really excited. So yeah, if people have photos they want to submit, we're recommending $25 donation for the 
photo and $25 donation to attend. But if, if don't let money be the stopper. We want, we really want people to be able to participate and be a part of and come into community. And that's really the focus is to bring people together. And, and we always say that the universe will take care of us. And however that happens, the most important part is that people come together and have a safe place to be able to have a good time. Yes. I know this project has been growing in your heart for many years. It has had a physical form and presence this year or since early this year. And it sounds like your network has grown exponentially. When you said, okay, this idea is going to happen, who did you reach out to first? So it started, it actually started, I was at the very beginning of the quarantine. So maybe May of last year, March, of, it was March of last year. I was looking for my gym had shut down. I do kickboxing and the gym had shut down and I was looking for something online to keep myself in shape. And I have a friend who lives down in Livermore, California area, and she goes to, it's called Omni Fight Club. And she messaged me and said, they're doing an online workout challenge. Do you want to join? And I was like, yes, absolutely. I, like, sure. I don't care. I just need something because I am not going to do it on my own. I need some accountability. I need something. And so I started there and they, the, the owner, Dennis Dumas, was running a challenge and it had both a physical and a mental component. And so we did daily workouts and then also daily mindset calls. And so that was really where it started was working with him and working on those calls and then started looking at what what are what is your dream what do you you know i had spent my whole life just following along the the program of what i was supposed to do you go to high school and then from high school you go to college and after college it was do you want to go to grad school or and i ended up in or are you going to go get a job and i ended up in law school and i went and i just followed along that path and that's what i was supposed to do and it wasn't until he asked me was well, that what you want to do and I was like, want to do? I don't know. What do you mean want to do? I'm like too old to think about what I want to do. At this point in life, we just do what we do. And and he was like, no, no. And so that's that's when we started looking at what does this look like and what do we... And that was when my husband and the kids and I really sat down and, you know, I started asking the kids, what do you want to do with your life? Where do you... I mean, you've got plenty of time, you know, and we started having that conversation. And from there, I just started meeting people. I met Kevin Hempel is a business and personal coach down in that area. And so we worked with him quite a bit on designing what is the orchard and, and what's our mission and what's our vision and getting the website up and going and, and figuring out all of that. And he has he had a, a group that he was running at the time. And so we transitioned into that group and started working with him and have since just met lots and lots of people. And then it just grows really the ultimate like how does it grow is we just keep talking about it. And that's how I, I showed up at your event. You know, I saw a thing, Kiss the Ground posted something that said you were needed some facilitators. And I was like, I can facilitate. And so I went there, I'm like, I'll try that. I'll just check that out. You know, I just started saying yes to things. When I saw opportunities, I went, well, I don't really know what that is, but I'm going to try it. And I just kept every time I went, 
maybe. I was like, okay, if it's a maybe, it's a yes. And so then I would start doing stuff and trying and just start talking. And and then we started doing the webinars and people started coming to the webinars and they start asking questions. And all four, actually, that's not true. So three of the panelists on the B Talk, two of them had come to the talks. One is a good friend of my husband's. And then one is a good, is my mom's realtor who became her friend. And so I just started talking about, I think I want to do this talk about bees. And the next thing I know, I'm like, and I, I had the two people that had attended were like, had talked about their apiaries. And I was like, Ooh, let's start there. And then when I said I wanted to do it, my mom was like, why did you know that Teresa just started doing beekeeping a couple of years ago? And did you, and, and my, my husband's pizza beekeeper. I'm like, Oh, okay. You know? And so you just start, once you start voicing the dream and once you start saying it out loud, a, people just start showing up out of the woodwork that you just, people are like, oh, I do that. Or, oh, I've got a friend who does that. Or, and then B, the universe just drops them into your lap. It, at least they do mine. <laughs> I don't know. People tell me that doesn't happen to everybody. I don't know. It is always, that's just how I've always, things have just always, when I think about it, it just draws to me. And so that's through the healing and really identifying what it is I want to do and healing some personal trauma and some historical trauma in my life and my family and growing through all of that, it just opened up the space and the people just keep showing up. I agree. Absolutely agree. You need to talk about what you're doing. Otherwise, it's invisible to other people. And it's also then partly invisible to yourself, too, because you're hiding behind something something that whatever it is that's preventing you from talking about your project or about your work and things do work out the more that you talk about your work about your project yeah yeah you need a team that's right like I can sit in my house and, and dream about this all day long, but at some point for this dream to come true we're going to have a team and in order to get a team you got to start talking about what do you want. And and then people start showing up. Yeah. Yeah. You have to go public as scary yep. as that may feel. You need to make yourself observable and yeah. to establish your posture and say, I'm going here. You want to come along and take yep. it from there. Yeah. Yeah. This is fantastic body of work and it's mm. really a wonderful project at this stage of your journey, when you turn around and look over your shoulder at the trail that you've left behind, what do you see? Oh, what do I see behind? A lot of learning, a lot of learning, a lot of growth, a lot of, I always, I always think about it like onions. <laughs> and actually my kids always laugh because there's a line from Shrek that is, ogres have layers like onions have layers. And that's how I look at it. Like people have layers, right? And so a lot of what I see behind me is layers of onions that have been peeled back and gotten deeper and down into the root of who I am. And who I am at my core is a contributor. I thrive when I get to give back. When I am giving back to my family, to my community, and even when I get to give back to myself. And there is part of this that you can't pour from an empty cup. And so what I see when I look back is a lot of, it's a lot of growth and it's a lot of 
learning. And I've always said that I'm a lifelong learner, that if they would pay me to stay in school, I probably would have stayed there forever. And so I think that's part of what drives this and was part of what gets me back here is that it's a way for me to continually learn. And it's a way for me to continually educate in in without the bounds of public education and without the bounds of what other people think should happen and could happen and would happen. And yeah, I mean, I if I look, I just, I see, and I think that's part of why the Blooming Hope Project means so much to me and why I identify with returning community members so much. I've never been arrested. I've never been in prison, but I have this sense of shedding, of a changing, of a morphing, the the kind of butterfly effect, if you will. And during quarantine and during COVID, we really went introspective in our house and we really went looking inside and what is driving us individually and what is driving us as a family and what is driving the community and how do we want to impact? that? What do we want our legacy to be? And that was how Legacies came up, was that we want our legacy to be something positive. We want, I think most people have probably done that, an exercise where you write your eulogy. I don't want to wait until they're reading my eulogy for people to say, she made an impact. I want that to happen today. That is wonderful. And okay, you mentioned legacy. And so I'm going to read I, something that I you have on your website, the legacy that you're creating. You have a section here called impacted community. And that the project, the Blooming Hope Project is for returning community members. And what the project is for is to improve the physical, mental and dental health of returning community members. And then the legacy it creates affects the sustainable food systems within the prison. It affects the family, the friends, and the prison staff. And you're creating this huge ripple effect event through your work. And that is your legacy. Yeah, that's really... And that's a lot of what the regenerative movement is about. If you think about it, it's this um, spiral that just keeps going up and up and up and up and up and up and out. It just is a ripple. It's it's the the stone in the pond. It's all of that. It's it is the ripple effect and how we. There's this great graphic that is um, kind of a juxtaposition of people at the top of a pyramid and everything else in the environment, trees, animals, everything else down below. It actually is a man at the top and then a woman and then everything else goes down below. And that has been historically the colonial view of the world. And then there is this circle that is looks very much a globe and has all of the, the people and all of the animals all intermixed together. And that is, that's what we strive for, is the intermixing of everything together. So in our vision is part of it is we believe all living things have value. We believe in food sovereignty. We believe people thrive with healthy, nutritious food. And we believe it all starts with the soil. And those are not just empty words. Those are, we thought long and hard about what is it we believe? What is it, if you join us in this process, what are you signing up for? And so that, and we do believe that. We believe that everything has value. Every living thing, trees, bugs, 
animals, people, everything. And the key is to think about how we all impact each other and how can we positively and create a positive effect and a positive ripple so that the next generation coming up can then do the same thing to the next generation and the next generation. What's next for you? For the orchard and for things like that, next is markets. We have several markets. So we've got the the fundraiser going on, the photo contest. We've got markets coming up. And I am actively doing grant applications. So that's actually something, if people are listening, we're just starting to do federal grants. So actually, if there is if there is a grant writer out there, I'm looking for a grant writing mentor. That is one of the biggest things we're looking for right now. We were talking earlier about when you say it, it happens. I have declared I am ready for a mentor. And so I'm looking for that. So we're looking at one of the grants I'm working on is with, um, there's a federal grant on some of the stuff that President Biden has has given some funding for is on the food supply and reducing waste in the food supply. The things we want to do are going to cost money. I mean, that's the bottom line. And, and yeah, that's the next kind of thing is that's really our next big push is funding. Um, my husband is working on getting a commercial kitchen going so that he can do the fermenting of the food and that side of things. And, and I'm working on I really funding for the Blooming Hope Project so that we can get that going. It, it takes money to build gardens. It takes money to travel. It takes money to, you know, we can get some of it can be done in volunteers and donations. And but ideally, what I would the, the big push would be funding for the research and the, the gardens themselves. Yeah. Anytime you have an update, anytime you have an ask, let me know. And we will put it out there to listeners through the newsletter, whatever, all the avenues that that I have and definitely share and and ask around and see as as our the network grows. Be happy to help. And if you ever have any update, you let me know. We'll update your show notes. (laughs) I will, I will. And if that's the other thing is we love partnering with other organizations. So if there are other organizations that are up to something that you know, you never know what how we might be able to work together. So if people are, if listeners hear something that they, you know, kind of a spark and they go, ooh, I might be interested in that, contact us. We're always open for discussion and community involvement and volunteers and whatever. However we can all come together to make the world a better place, we're down for that. To learn more about Tammy and Optimistic Orchard, visit the show notes for this episode at talaterra.com. Here you will find links to the orchard, a flyer about the photo contest, and links to resources mentioned in this episode. Thank you for being with us today. See you next time. Alaterra is a podcast for and about independent educators working in natural resource fields and environmental education. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and colleagues. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Tanya Marion.